powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to Friends, Foes, and Neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, as what you are about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for insightful interviews with incredible people. Join us now as we delve ever deeper into the human condition. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Production Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hi. Thank you so much. Please sit. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. That's right. We are back with another fantastic journey into the lives of extraordinary people. Before I want to jump into the episode, though, I want to say a huge, big thank you to my last guests, the Irish folk band Wild Nept. Weston, Stephen, Wayne, Lincoln, and John, absolutely amazing guys, and the interview did some amazing numbers. What an absolute pleasure to meet these gentlemen, and folks, I know you're listening. I promise if I make it up to Iowa, the first pints are on me. If you haven't heard Wild Nep's interview yet, I encourage you to do so after the conclusion of this amazing episode. Speaking of amazing, welcome to episode 136, and boy, do we have a great episode lined up for you today. On the show, we have Dr. Jill Carnahan, a famed diagnostician, also lovingly known as the Sherlock Holmes of medicine. She'll be telling us about her truly incredible life story from the adversity she has had to overcome to become the incredible woman and doctor she is today. (laughs) And believe me, she has had some Everests that she has had to scale. Finding strength in her faith, she has gone on to become one of the world's leading experts in solving undiagnosed medical cases. And she is going to be talking about how mold in the home might be behind some of those problems. Plus, We will also be talking about her new book, Part Memoir, Part Medical Guide, Unexpected, Finding Resilience Through Functional Medicine, Science, and Faith. Lots to discuss, so let's get her out of here. Duval Nation, this is an absolute honor to have on the show, so please rise to your feet and welcome all the way from Boulder, Colorado, the Sherlock Holmes of medicine, Dr. Jill Carnahan. Dr. Joe, good evening. Welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. How is the weather out by you today? It is beautiful and sunny today. We almost hit a high of 60. The snow is melting. So I start my interviews off the same way, and that is how has it been for you to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic up to this point? Well, what a uh, poignant question. I found that medicine has been um, the flaws and way we deal with chronic complex illness We've known as a functional integrative practitioner for a long time that there's been some issues with how we treat complex chronic illness. But during the pandemic, I saw lots of wonderful things happening, lots of people coming together, support. But what I saw was we need a new model of medicine. We need a new way to heal. And we need a new way to encourage people to have empowerment in their own health. Because if we just rely on the organizations to take care of our health, we can clearly see Again, not that they did anything wrong. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just saying that we need a new model. And it's kind of exciting for me in a way because I feel like for 20 years, I've been trying to get the attention of the public and the doctors and the patients on how we can take care of our own health. And it really highlighted that importance. So I think now is a great time more than ever to really dive deep and take empowerment for our own health. 
And you have an incredible story to tell. And we'll get right into that. But first, I want to ask you, you know, every journey has a beginning. Where were you born? And what was it like to grow up there? I love that because I love story. It drives everything we do and everything we are. I was born on a farm in central Illinois. I'm one of five children. I'm the second oldest, the oldest girl. Uh, very strong work ethic, German, Irish, Swiss kind of background. It's actually more German, Swiss than Irish, but very strong kind of analytical engineering family. And what I didn't know growing up was that I'm a highly sensitive, intuitive kind of a uh, hippie rebel child, and I didn't quite fit in. I discovered that later on and have really embraced both sides, masculine, feminine, the science and the faith. And I love to be the person that brings together two dichotomies. But growing up, I, you know, hard work, we had an organic garden, my mother was a nurse, but we kind of went to holistic treatments first. So definitely grew up with a strong family work ethic background, it definitely made me who I am. But I relearned a lot of things like accepting those kind of crazy hippie parts that didn't fit into the Swiss German engineer model. And what did you discover that you had a passion for pursuing a career in medicine? Yeah, so I always knew um, I loved learning. So the primary driver, I wanted to be a librarian first before I wanted to be a doctor because I was just so excited about being around all those books and getting to read all the time. And granted, librarians probably don't read all the time, but they get to be around a lot of books. I love books. I love learning. Part of my journey was that I was very sick as a young child with severe allergies to corn and soybeans, which were the main crops on my farm in Illinois. So what it did is it pushed me inside during part of the season, you know, basically August through October, I could hardly be outside without my eyes swelling shut and me getting rashes and severe respiratory issues and, and infections. So because of that, I learned to love books where I could kind of go into an alternate universe. And I really started to dive in and very young realized I love to learn. So background into medicine was I love to learn. I couldn't stop learning. And then as I was on my journey, um, I had much more of the heart of a naturopath, like a holistic healer. But what happened is as I applied to regular conventional medical schools, I started getting accepted. And I thought, well, maybe I could go into conventional medicine. And I, you know, went on that path and I realized what I could do, even if my heart was more like, I love the conventional model. I love what they offer. If you have a heart attack or you have a car accident, you have a stroke, you want to be in the best major medical center for those things. But what I loved is I could learn all those things, learn a great foundation of the, some of the best medicine in the world, but then also add to my toolbox and actually infiltrate and start to change the model of medicine as I was part of that. So that was one of the reasons I chose allopathic medicine, because I felt like I could make the most change in the world through that model. Who doesn't love the old Dewey Decimal System, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I would normally ask you, you know, what are your favorite memories from your time at LaLoya University, Chicago Stritch School of Medicine, which is a mouthful. But I read you faced a very dangerous situation when you were diagnosed with breast cancer at a very early age. Now, I've read that you actually you've beaten breast cancer back in 2002. What kept you going and pushing through all that adversity? Yeah, so I had no idea what would happen. I was just in, you know, la la land, enjoying my education, loving the learning. And all of a sudden, 25 years old, in the midst of the beginning of my third year of rotations, I had literally just had my 25th birthday. So almost 24, I found a lump in my breast. And, you know, as a 25 year old, even if you find a lump in your breast, you don't think it's anything serious. And I was doing crazy intense hours. Back then, it was before the work hour regulation. So we were doing 36 hour shifts, no sleep sometimes poor diet. I always cared about my food, but there's just no time to sleep or take care of ourselves. And it was actually discouraged. It was almost like if you're tough and you don't complain, kind of like the work ethic. I grew up on the farm. You're better. You're stronger. Very masculine driven environment. Nothing wrong with that. It's made me who I am. But 
I had to suppress my needs. I had to suppress the healthy diet. I had to suppress self-care, all those kinds of things that actually make us a more well-rounded person. And in the midst of all this, it's no surprise my body kind of raised its hand and said, hey, Jill, through this, it was saying, you know what? We need your attention. You're not taking care of us. And found this lump. I didn't think anything of it for the first few days. My um, husband, who's now ex-husband, a great friend, said, Jill, there's something going on here. You need to take it seriously. So I did get in and within two weeks, I had a biopsy. I had a call from the oncologist and she literally voice cracking said, Jill, I don't know how to tell you this, but you have a very aggressive breast cancer. And this is going to be the fight of your life. What many people may know or don't know, a lot of us know people with breast cancer and most of them are in their 50s or 60s. It's a whole different disease when you're in your 20s. And literally, I was with a, a group of young women in Chicago that were all diagnosed under 40. And I am the only one still living, Derek. So that just shows you how deadly, like I'm a miracle. I'm like the statistic that shouldn't have lived, but I went through conventional three drug chemotherapy, lost all my hair, completely lost muscle mass and weight, got so malnourished and sick from that, went through surgeries, radiation, took a nine month leave of absence from medical school. But what I learned in that process was number one, the most difficult circumstances in our life, if we view them this way, can become a teacher and can become transformative to be, be end up being the best circumstances of our life, even though they involve pain and suffering. And number two, it taught me what it is to be a patient. I saw the lens of medicine through the completely 180 degree view and realized who do I want to see as a doctor and who do I not want to see? I want to see the person who sits there and listens and gives me their time and attention and really wants to find root cause and help me in my journey. And I learned a lot of lessons on what it was like, how I wanted to show up in the world as a physician later on. And while that is an incredible story in itself, I read you were forced to climb yet another mountain with a diagnosis of Crohn's disease. And now you claim your faith got you past the disease and a healthy life. Would you please tell my listeners about that struggle? I sure will. You know, I was always an optimistic growing up. I mean, I definitely had some people just do and some people don't. But still, when you face difficulty and suffering, it tries everything in you. The first thing with breast cancer, I did have a strong faith. And no matter what your listeners believe, I feel like I can meet you there because I did believe in miracles. I did believe in unexpected things. And I think that view of the world we now know through neuroscience actually allows us to see, for example, if we're trying to find a parking spot, and we're just like, I know I'm going to find a parking spot. Every time something appears because we have that expectation of goodness, we have that expectation of the miracle and miracle can be a faith miracle or can be just something unexpected that's delightful. It doesn't have to have a faith issue. For me, it did. But what happened in that is I was looking for the miracle from the very beginning. I was looking for healing. I was looking for the good. And within weeks of my diagnosis, I heard someone on the radio, it was a preacher, but he happened to say, this sickness will not end in death. It was for the glory of God, like for a higher purpose. And again, you can frame that any way you want as a listener, but the bigger thing is that there's something greater here if you look. And so from that moment, I shifted my perspective and I started to say, okay, what in the world could this be good? This is hard. I'm suffering. I've lost my hair. I'm in pain. I'm scarred. I'm bloated. I'm just a mess of myself. I'm 25 and I should be living life and I can barely walk up the stairs. But what happened in that process was I started to look for the good and I started to uh, see those pieces like how, what is it like to be a great physician? What does it feel like to be a patient when you're faced with a myriad of decisions on your treatment and you don't know the best answer? And what I learned in that process was I'm a medical student with medical training with access to medical libraries. And the decisions I had to make about my treatment were so difficult 
I have deep compassion for anyone facing medical decisions because we think it's black and white. We think there's just one answer. It's never black and white. It's so gray. And even your best physicians who give you the best advice that they can are speaking in terms of gray shades, not black and white. And that's what medicine is. It's not usually black and white. But I I learned that compassion. Now I sit in front of patients and I say, take all this information, do the best you can to make a decision and never regret it because you're doing the best you can in this moment. And that regret, if I would have had that, I never did. But I had for 20 years after up until today, I've had side effects with my gut and other health issues because not, not because of the cancer, because of the treatment of the cancer, which was, I don't regret it. It saved my life. But that was so toxic that I literally have an immune deficiency today that requires an infusion every three weeks just to survive. Would you say that, you know, with your having to overcome, you know, cancer and Crohn's, if a patient comes to you and they're suffering from the same thing, you have a much more empathetic because you've been through it. You've seen it. You've done it yourself. Do you feel that way? 100%. And you know, what's interesting about our medical training, it may be better by now, 20 years later, but when I was in medical school, there's literally you're taught to remain objective, to put on that mask, to not engage with a patient on an emotional level. And don't you dare shed a tear because that would be crossing the boundary that you're not supposed to cross. What I have learned more important than anything is I'm human, they're human. And that human connection, when I show up and say, it's not about me, but you know what? I know how that feels to suffer. And I've been in your shoes. And sometimes I'll shed a tear with them because I feel their pain and I feel their suffering. That's what that connection. And you know what? That leads to healing because when a patient feels safe and understood and loved and safe in this space of physician-patient interaction, that's where the healing starts because they can relax and be in their body and show up with everything that they have to offer for the healing process. What led you to found Flatiron Functional Medicine? Yeah. So I came out of residency. I was in Illinois near where I grew up and um, I was in a family medicine program. I knew the hospital director very well. And I just had this idea, you know, integrated medical center, let me help you build it. So I walked up to the CEO and I shook his hand and said, Hey, why don't you partner with me for an integrated medical center? Let's build this. I'll help you build it from the ground up. I'll be your medical director. And somehow he agreed. And so for the next three years, we literally, I met with architects and from the ground up, I wanted to build a place that was a different experience for patients, not the white walls and the sterile and this lack of connection. So we made it warm. We had, uh, you know, authentic art and beautiful water features and it's just amazing center. And I was there and I was there for three and a half years as medical director. I loved it. But what's happening was we, I was trying to do this new model of holistic care, really listening to the patient, spending time like 30 minutes or an hour with the patient, but it didn't fit into an old system because this hospital still had the idea of every department should build beds which means that, you know, me, my goal was keep people out of the hospital. And so if I wasn't filling beds, I wasn't. And the other thing was they were still on the, you know, 20, 30 patients a day kind of model. And I was drowning because you can't practice that type of medicine in the old model. So I started to realize, even though I loved it and was so grateful for the hospital's opportunity, I realized in 2009, I was drowning and I was not going to be able to keep this pace up. And the opportunity came again. My ex-husband was moving to Colorado for a new job, said, hey, Jill, should we move to Colorado? I said, well, let me think about it. And within a few weeks, we made that decision to move out. So I was starting completely over in a new state, not knowing anyone. And there was a functional doctor here, Bob Roundtree. I went up, shook his hand. I said, hey, Bob, I think you need a partner. And he agreed. We had dinner. And so he allowed me to come in. And he I owe so much to him because he allowed me to start slowly. And the reason I did that, I completely went outside the system in the sense of I have to see so many patients per day. I have to be productive because I wanted to be autonomous in how I spent my time with patients. 
And it started slow. I used up all my savings to make that practice happen. But what happened is now I have this wonderful practice where I can spend all the time I need and I can create a safe healing space for people to really show up and be seen. I want to talk to you about your book, Unexpected, Finding Resilience Through Functional Medicine, Science and Faith. Congratulations on the book. It's a great title. And it comes out March, early March, I'm seeing. So at what point in your life did you decide now is the time to write a book? Mm. 2012, the summer of 2012, I was in a time my husband was away for a a theater production for six weeks. So I had a lot of alone time. And I read a book called um, Circle Maker. And the premise of this book was about praying and thinking and meditating on dreams that are so big, you can't even imagine fulfilling them. And literally like visioning them and then to see what happens. And in that time of prayer meditation, I literally felt kind of the divine saying, you know, Jill, you need to write your story. And at that time, I'd been through Crohn's and cancer in quite a bit, but I didn't have any idea there was a lot more chapters still coming. But that was literally now eight years ago. And I felt so clearly that I was supposed to write my story. And you know how we are. Like I was literally like arguing with God who am I to write? I don't even know what I'm doing and and who do what my story isn't important and all those things that we do in our own self. But I remember so clearly, it wasn't an audible voice. It was just in my spirit. But what I heard and felt was, Jill, all you have to do is just follow your calling, be obedient to what I've showed you. I'll take care of the resources, the producer, the publisher, the, all the things you need. All you have to do is tell your story. And the moment I heard that in my soul, I was like, I can do that. I can tell my story and I can tell it better than anybody else can. And then I also knew that the timing would be perfect. And I just waited and watched. And just like we're watching for the parking spot or watching for healing, I knew in my heart I was going to write the book. There was no question. I knew I would have the publisher, the team, everything I needed. I just didn't know when. And when we surrender to the universe, the when and the how, and we just know that knowing is so deep. That's when magic happens. That's when the unexpected happens. And the true title of my book is Unexpected Miracles. It was just shortened. But I saw that happen because what happened then is I went through a horrible divorce, which now we've reconciled. I'm best friends with my husband and he's producing a documentary about me. Like that's how good our relationship is. So we've re- so that happened. I went through some very difficult dating relationships. I went through healing from mold-related biotoxin illness. And in those processes, I had a million more stories to tell. And The divine knew that I wasn't ready to write the book until I restarted that process in 2018 or 19. So it was a long process. And now I know like the timing, we talk about COVID, the pandemic, how it changed us. My book could not be more appropriate for March of 2023. The timing is perfect. People are ready to hear how they can help themselves. They're so hungry for this message of hope. And I just waited patiently for that to open up. So Unexpected has been described as a cross between a memoir and a scientific guide for people to advocate for their own health. Would that be a fair assessment? Yes. And this was one of the most difficult things about this, because for years I said, oh, I need to write my story. And it was like, you can't write a memoir. You're no, you're an unknown relative. In my small little world, I'm known, but in the big picture, I'm an unknown. And they said, you can't write a memoir. But I'm like, but I need to tell my story. But what we ended up doing is we combined, it's almost like three books in one. You've got this amazing memoir. And when I read the books on my shelf back here by colleagues, if they're just a how-to 30 days detox your body, I can flip through and skim those books and, and speed read in an hour and get the main points. They don't engage me. 
they don't, you know, draw me in. And I knew I wanted something different. I compare it to like a box of chocolates where you savor like a bite of one, one night and you're like, oh, that's so good. I'm going to save the box and have one more tomorrow night. I wanted in my book to have this savory quality of little bits and stories that would bring you in and, and, uh, and really transform the life. So it, it has that it's a memoir. But then what we did is we have these sidebars that are how to heal from mold, how to heal from autoimmunity, really practical tips. If someone just wants to flip through and read the sidebars, they can get the shorthand version of what to do to heal. You mentioned mold. So let's just go ahead and dive on into that. So that is toxic mold, which I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Where does most mold in the home come from? So this is a big hidden thing of chronic complex illness that no one knows about. And I did not know about it and did not even suspect I would become the mold expert. But back in 2013, we had a massive flood of epidemic proportions in Boulder, Colorado, where I live. My office was flooded. And shortly after, within the next year, black staphybotrys, toxic mold started growing in the basement below my office. And I started having shortness of breath, uh, brain fog, difficulty with words, concentration, memory, skin issues, gut issues, you name it. I had those things. And I was like, what in the world's going on? Bottom line, I found through urine testing and testing of that basement that there was black toxic mold. And I started to realize the toxins that mold produce are called trichosethenes. Those are one of many, but those are literally immune suppressive, neurotoxic. They're being studied in chemical warfare because they're so toxic. And we don't think about this because they're invisible. They're smaller than uh, their 2.5 microns, which is about the size of a virus. So they're literally so small that when we inhale, they can go directly into our lungs and into the bloodstream and affect our body and our system without even any sort of passage or transfer you know, for into the tissues. So I started having issues and realized what a big deal it was. And I started, once again, I had to learn to heal myself. And in that process, I started to see my patients who weren't getting well, multiple sclerosis diagnosis, a new diagnosis of lupus, a new diagnosis of a mast cell activation disorder, a new diagnosis of cognitive decline. In fact, one of the experts, uh, Dr. Dale Bredes and I work with on neurocognition and Alzheimer's says one in three, that's 33 point something percent of new onset early dementia is mold related. So this is a massive problem. And you said, where does it grow? Well, if you have a leak under your fridge from the water line or a leak under your sink or the bathtub isn't grouted properly or attic is crawl space are not contained, there's multiple reasons in a home. And nowadays our homes are so airtight that if there is a mold producing mycotoxins, it can actually be highly concentrated and really detrimental inside the house versus outside and absolutely can cause illness in many different ways. What steps can common folks take to be able to ascertain whether they have dangerous mold in their homes? Yeah. So I always take a great history and a timeline and this you can do for yourself right now. Even if you're listening, one of the things you do is say, when did I last feel well? And you say, oh, 2008, I felt really, really good. I remember running a marathon. And then after 2009, 10, I started to go downhill. And I'm just giving an example. But then you might say, oh, well, we moved in that year and we went to a different house. And then my son started getting ill. Now, the one thing that's interesting is there's a genetic component to mold and mold toxicity and the illness related to that innate immune response. And because of that, you can have the same family and two or three people get very sick and the rest are fine. So there can be differences in your family members. Some don't have a lot of susceptibility to that illness and some do. That doesn't mean there's not an issue. But if you do a timeline and you say, when did I last feel well? And then look at all the factors. Maybe a loved one died. Maybe you uh, moved to a new place and you see there was a change in environment. That can be a big clue. Another clue I say is, have you ever gone on vacation recently or gone away for 10 or 14 days and felt better? And they're like, oh yeah, 
I was in Hawaii and I felt perfectly normal with no signs or symptoms. Well, of course, Hawaii might do that anyway, right? <laughs> but there's a lot of things to, to talk about with the timeline and your when you last felt well. And often you can find a, a pattern for when you change the environment. You know, environment is probably a piece of the puzzle. And then you can actually look at your house and look for the water staining, the um, uh, changes in wood, the buckling of your floors. And if you know that there was a leak or something in the carpet in the basement, the sump pump leaked and you've never fixed it or dealt with it, probably under that carpet is black mold. Okay, Duval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a small break right here, but we'll be right back with the conclusion of this interview with Dr. Jill Carnahan. May I suggest you take this time to refresh that drink and take some super long deep breaths, you know, <laughs> Clouseau style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Please give your attention to a few friends of my show, and we will be right back. Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing podcasting made easy from Podcasting Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is podcasting made easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podcasticaudio.com slash easy. Duval Nation, Derek and Mindy Duval here to talk about Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. The Derek Duvall Show and Derek and Mindy's Fun With Movies is proud to be sponsored by the team at Jerky Pro. As a veteran, I am always the first to support veteran-owned businesses. Setting up shop in 1987 and founded by military and paramilitary veterans, they have set the bar for how beef jerky is processed, flavored, packaged, and sold. With strict quality control standards, Jerky Pro offers many flavors that are sure to please any beef jerky connoisseur. From the standard original flavor to honey glazed, peppered, teriyaki, sweet barbecue, or if you're brave enough, the fierce red hot, there are many flavors guaranteed to entice your palate. Offered in various sized packaging, use promo code DUBALL37, all in capital letters, at checkout to receive a 5% discount. Remember folks, if your beef jerky is not making your mouth water, then it's not Jerky Pro Beef Jerky. Jerky Pro, the standard in premium beef jerky products. Hey there, this is Frankie Ray, and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. My latest single, Over Now, is available on all streaming platforms. Hope you like it. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? If you want Kleenex for your classroom, maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. 
Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts. Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. Welcome to Wine Chats with Bildo and Lindalyn. My name is Billy Milovanovich, aka Bildo. My name is Lindsay Kirkwood, also known as Lindalyn. And this is our offensively funny podcast about drinking wine and chatting life. Some of our previous topics include conspiracy theories. I know somebody that thinks the world's flat. What? Like a real person? Yes. Body ailments. I'm going to go from toes up because I have a lot. <laughs> no, seriously, you laugh, but I have so many body this is what ailments. what happens with age, guys. And I know. And orgasms. I'm a little bit frustrated and it just hasn't been happening. I, I'm trying, Henry's trying, we're all trying, but when orgasming is good, it's good. Basically, we talk about all the things that you would generally talk about over wine with your girlfriends. New episodes out each Monday. Chat, Chat soon. Hey, it's Presley Tennant and you're listening to The Derek Duvall Show. You can find my brand new EP 600 Miles on all streaming platforms right now. This is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, a veteran's journey from homeless to hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 136 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back to it with the conclusion of our interview with famed diagnostician, Dr. Jill Carnahan. You write this more can be, and we just mentioned it a few minutes ago, uh, the culprit for many significant health conditions, you know, autoimmune diseases, Lyme disease, and other cancers. If someone today is like, you know what, I really am feeling horrible. I need to get this checked out. What do they need to tell a provider going into it? Yeah, so I'll frame this because, again, as conventionally trained, love my education, but there are limitations. And one of the right. limitations is mold in the conventional system is still thought of as an allergen. So we have adaptive immune system and innate immune system. And the adaptive immune system causes allergies, congestion, sneezing, you know, uh, asthma, allergies, all those kinds of things. That's what it's thought of as usually a mold triggers the allergy, allergic, adaptive response. And it can, yes. But what I'm talking about is this innate immune response, which we actually all learned a ton about during COVID because we talked about the cytokines and how they killed people when they got really out of control. Same thing with mold, actually exact same system, exact same response is it's an overactive innate immune system that's trying to get rid of this toxin, but can't quite tag and get rid of it. And so inside there's this collateral damage to all kinds of tissues. So if someone has, again, autoimmunity is a big one, mast cell activation, which can present with histamine 
issues or congestion or heartburn or gut issues or heart tachycardia, heart racing, many things in that realm. And of course, the cognition, so memory, word finding, uh, difficulty retaining new content, those are all real common. And again, if you timeline it, you may notice. There are tests, there's urinary mycotoxin tests from two or three different lab companies. Um, there are blood works where you can check the innate immune system cytokines if your doctor would order. So if you're talking to a doctor, I wanted to frame that because some doctors will say, oh, it's just an allergen, you're fine, and they won't listen. We call that medical gaslighting, which means making you feel like you're not really in your body. You don't really know what you're talking about. Find another doctor if you're being told that it's all in your head, because this is real. And a good doctor, there's many nonprofit organizations that train mold doctors and things um, I can put in your show notes or whatever, some of those resources. But the bottom line is you want to find a doctor who really listen and take you seriously, do some testing. And then really, you have to get an environmental expert to check your home. And no doctor can really go in your house and check that for you. So when I told listeners that you're going to be on the show, if you sent in some questions to ask them, I chose the most intelligent of them. And they're pretty simple questions. And the first one is, in all your years practicing medicine, what would you say has been the best advice someone has given you? We know it's what I write on prescription pads now after doing all my healing work. And it's be kind to yourself. Because so often when we are hard on ourselves, we have those self-talks that are negative. You idiot. What did you? What do you think you're doing? Or those regrets. Those things actually suppress our immunity. So that being kind to yourself in whatever form that looks like is really powerful. And I say that especially from experience because in medical school, I just told you, we suppressed all of our needs. We were not kind to ourselves. I had to relearn that part. And it's really powerful in healing. You mentioned earlier, you know, be an advocate for your own health and what have you. And this next question is interesting. And that's, what would your recommendation be for a person who has a laundry list of diagnoses, but lacking an underlying diagnosis? Yeah, so functional medicine, which is what I do, is root cause medicine. So I love to be the medical detective that takes these really complex. Most of the patients I've seen have been to major medical centers, Harvard, Stanford, you name it. And they've been given these labels and never really gotten to the root. So this is what I love to do. But if you're a patient out there listening and you've been frustrated and you're like, I still have symptoms, I don't have answers. Or the classic is your doctor listens. He does a basic blood panel, which is not too in-depth and says everything looks normal. Um, maybe you're depressed. Let's prescribe an antidepressant. Now, nothing wrong with depression. I treat it as well. And it's nothing wrong if you're on an antidepressant. But just to stop there and say, oh, we don't know what's wrong. Maybe you're depressed. That is malpractice. We need to go deeper. So if you're in this situation, I would do your homework because there's nothing like the empowered patient. It's ultimately your responsibility. You need a guide. You need a help. You need a partner in a physician, but they're not going to do the work for you. So you need to be empowered. You can educate yourself. You can read. You can get in groups. You can go online. You can list a podcast like this one or mine and get educated and get empowered and then make a clear list of this is what I'm feeling. And this is the, like you can do your own timeline that will help the, the physician as well. So timeline symptoms, and then what you want out of the visit. So I would like to know if there's anything else I can do. I would like to know if we could do these lab tests. And if you have a clear, you know, guide like that, most doctors are going to try to help you. And even if they don't know what they're doing in this realm, they're going to, they really want to heal. They want to help. So generally they're going to help you out. Awesome. Uh, the last fan question is, uh, with the medical community the way it is right now, how far have women come in a field that is dominated mostly by men? Wow. I love this because this is really the heart of where I started out. I told you it was a very masculine driven kind of environment that really we had to suppress our intuition. We were taught, this is why I love the science and faith because we were taught to just believe in objective science. I love science. I, I'm a bioengineer background, but the truth is what I've learned over this experience of 20 years is 
you start to see patterns and pattern recognition is really where the intelligence and the genius of finding solutions to complex problems comes. So that comes from experience and science. But then as we integrate that into our subconscious, if we sit with the patient and we really listen and we watch for clues, our subconscious actually, I always know the direction I'm headed and I usually know the answer. And then what I do is prove it with the labs. So this is a much more feminine way to approach medicine in the intuition, in the heart space, in that love space. That's a very feminine kind of, and again, this is not male or female. This is all of us have masculine and feminine parts. So what I love to do is bring both, bring the science, the faith, bring the masculine, the feminine, bring the objective data and then the intuition and those together they create magic and they really allow us to go to another level of problem solving for complex chronic issues. Hmm. You mentioned just a few minutes ago, your podcast. Will you tell my listeners about it, please? Sure. It's called Dr. Jill Live. It's on YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you find podcasts. And I just interview my colleagues and friends. Whenever I find some cool doctor doing something neat, I'm like, hey, will you come on the podcast? And the secret, I'm sure you know this, Derek, is whenever I have a guest, I always learn something new. So it's kind of my secret way of learning more. You have no idea how true that is. <laughs> so that being said, what is next for you other than the book? Well, um, it's so funny because I've been tired lately and I'm like, well, who does a book and a documentary in one year? So last year, and I'll tell you that story really quick because it's kind of a sure. fun story about faith and all the stuff we've been talking about. 2021, I sat in my meditative chair January 1st and just thought about, okay, what's next? I was writing my book. I knew it was going to be published soon. And I thought, you know what, with COVID, everybody switched from reading books to screens. They're on Netflix. They're on this. If I really want to inspire and get my message out, I need to think about screens. Now, granted, I have zero experience as a producer, director, documentary, no experience. But I thought, you know what, why don't we do a documentary? And just like that expectation leads you to the direction of where you're going to go and allows you to find those resources that you need, I put it out there. And within seven to 10 days, I had a producer that was interested, a director that was interested, an executive assistant. And then all we needed was money. So I told the team, I said, put together a budget. The sky's the limit. Let's just see what happens. They put together a very generous budget. And then I just had to believe, you know what, the money, the investor will come. And within two months, I had a call. I'm sitting on a call with uh, it was about my clinic. It had nothing to do with the documentary. And I found out this man was very wealthy man. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to pitch the documentary. He flew out. And within a month later, we had the full budget for the documentary. So then we started filming from May to August of this last year. We're finished. We're submitting a film festival. And our hope is that this will also be one more way to get the message out of hope and healing. And just the idea that so many people are out there, they're sick, they're maybe long COVID, maybe they have autoimmunity, maybe they have some other illness, and they feel like there's no hope or there's no great answers. And my whole purpose of the book and the documentary is showing people there are answers and there is hope for a vibrant, resilient life. So that's what I'm, this year is all about getting that message out. Does the documentary have a title yet? Yes, it's called Dr. Patient. And if you want to know more, drpatientfilm.com has all the basic info in the trailer. Awesome. All right, as we enter the final phase of this interview, I always like to ask one fun question. And that is, when you are not being a doctor, what do you like to do for fun? What do you, how do you unwind? So I am a dopamine chaser or flow state chaser. And so people are always surprised because I'm kind of sometimes soft and more feminine. And But I ride a motorcycle, a BMW GS750, so pretty large, fun bike. Um, I rock climb on occasion and I've done things like the third flat iron. Um, and I love extreme downhill skiing. So I love adventure things that kind of put me in that flow state. In fact, the secret is the way I wrote that book is I did these flow state inducers to get more creativity. <laughs> nice. So what would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? 
Yeah, well, uh, Instagram is a great place because I post some really silly stuff. It's just Dr. Jill Carnahan is my Instagram handle. My website is jillcarnahan.com, just my name, J-I-L-L-C-A-R-N-A-H-A-N.com. And that's where you can find the podcast. I've got literally over a decade of free articles by the week on muscle and mold and so all kinds of free stuff. And then the book is just readunexpected.com. All right. Dr. Jill, I am my interviews with my favorite question. And the question is this. If the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of Earth? I would say two words. Love heals on mind, body, spirit level. When we can embody love to our fellow humans, that is the healing power of the universe. All right. The book is Unexpected Finding Resilience Through Functional Medicine, Science, and Faith, available on March the 7th, 2023, for pre-order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Dr. Jill, this has truly been amazing, and thank you for taking the time out of your, I know, incredibly busy schedule to meet with me. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. And just like that, Devon Nation, we come to the end of episode 136. I want to thank Dr. Jill for coming on the show. What an absolutely delightful woman and an incredible doctor. All that she's gone through, all that she's had to persevere through, you can tell how much respect I have for her. I truly hope you seek out her book and give her podcast a listen. Hopefully down the road, Dr. Jill might make a reappearance on our show. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Never say never. Okay, tune again next time as we showcase another extraordinary person. I have a really good one coming up in a few days, so be sure to keep checking your favorite podcast streaming channel for that episode to drop. Also, I think it's fair to ask, hey, have you enjoyed this episode? I truly hope you have, so please go hit that subscribe button to keep up to date for when new episodes drop. Also, if you're feeling generous, drop us a review. We love reading what our listeners have to say about us, good or bad. We, of course, prefer good ones, but we'll take the bad too. We always like some creative feedback, some constructive criticism, if you want to call it. We are still enjoying our partnership with the amazing Tee Public. The Derek Duvall Show has a great little store on there. And we have everything with our logo on it, including magnets, stickers, and mugs. Plus, we have some really fun t-shirts on there that Mrs. Duvall and I added. There are some truly fun ones on there, so please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com. Go to the banner on the left that says Merch. Click that and you'll be taken to our store on TeePublic. And once again, we want to thank TeePublic for being such great partners with The Derek Duvall Show. Speaking of The Derek Duvall Show, on behalf of myself and the entire team here, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, practice some self-love this week. The world is about to potentially become a very scary place in the coming weeks ahead, so we need to look out for each other more now than ever. No star, God bless, and see you next time. Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for links to merchandise and to explore past episodes. Please find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show.